Wilder Community Church, we are for following Jesus together to the glory of God. We're for the church, for the community, for the nations, and for the next generation. To contact us or for more information, see our website at wildwoodchurch.org. If you've been with us this month, you know that we are in a series called Joy to the World. As we have been talking about how the Lord has come and how the arrival of Jesus makes it possible for us to have joy, true joy, lasting joy. And so we're going to to continue that series that we began today by looking at a song of praise that Mary, the mother of Jesus, sang. A song that we know of as the Magnificat, but it's also found in our Bibles in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. And so that's where we're going to be this morning in part three of this series. But before we look at those verses, I want to just take a moment and ask you all a question. That question is this. How many of you struggle with comparison this time of year? How many of you struggle with comparison at Christmas time? Now, you may be a very pious group and you may be a very self-assured group and this may not be a challenge for you. But as I share some examples, maybe, just maybe, you suffer from a little bit of the comparison game. For some, it might be comparison in the number of gifts purchased or received. Maybe you're comparing the, what you spent or the number of gifts that your kids got compared to other kids on your block. Or maybe if you celebrate the holidays with siblings, as you compare what different families did, there's a little bit of a comparison game that goes on. Maybe some of you have struggled a little bit with that. Maybe it's not with Christmas gifts, though. Maybe, just maybe, you're suffering from the comparison game as it relates to Christmas cards. You know, you get these letters in the mail this time of year, and you read these letters, and it sounds like their family's doing a whole lot better than yours. And you're like, wow, everything worked out for them this year. That is amazing. That is awesome. Our life was a mess this year. Their life is awesome. And not only that, but, but when you look at the pictures that they include in their Christmas card, it can accentuate the effect because it looks like they went for a walk in the woods. And when they went for a walk in the woods, all looking perfect, they found a sofa. (laughs) And then they sat on the sofa and magically a professional photographer appeared with perfect lighting, taking a perfect photo. And it's shared now with everyone. And you're like, when we go for a walk in the woods, all I get is an insect bite. (laughs) None of that happens with us. I mean, maybe you're struggling with some comparison game as it relates to this time of year. Or maybe it's neither of those things. Maybe it's the exterior decorations on your house. I'm looking at you, men of the room. Uh, Maybe when you put that single line of Christmas lights up across the house, you thought it was good enough until your neighbor put in an entire working village of inflatables (laughs) that danced to different songs. And, And the comparison game has just got you working in different ways. See, friends, this time of year, we can struggle with comparisons. But if we're really honest with one another, we don't just struggle with comparison at this time of year. We struggle with comparisons all different times of the year. All too often, we can magnify and elevate another person or or a circumstance or a situation. We magnify it and we judge our life against it. And when we do that, we we find that our joy is often fleeting. Our joy fluctuates. 
because it is difficult for us to hit a standard like our neighbor or like some ideal that we have. It's difficult for us to have our circumstances always work out in our favor. And so if our joy is anchored to those kinds of things, then we will find our joy fleeting. But wouldn't it be amazing? Wouldn't it be amazing if we could find a joy that was anchored in someone who does not change? Wouldn't it be amazing if we had a joy that could be consistent and could be significant for each of us, regardless of our circumstances? Well, friends, such a joy exists, and it exists when we anchor our joy in Christ. And friends, we see such a joy reflected inside of a song that Mary sings after she finds out that she is pregnant with Jesus. A song that she sings in the living room of her cousin Elizabeth's home, reflecting on what the Lord has done. And in the midst of that song that is recorded in Luke 1, 46 through 56, she makes this statement. She says, my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. Now, this phrase rejoices is a very particular word that means, that means an exceeding joy. Earlier, we, we sang the song, Exceeding Joy. Why did the name of that song come from? It comes from this word that is translated here, rejoices, but really has the idea of exceeding joy. Used in other spots, it's really jumping for joy, leaping for joy, exalting. Mary was able to celebrate in a visible and a demonstrable way in this moment. Well, how was she able to do that? Well, we're going to see as we look at the song that she sang and we draw some applications for our lives today. So this morning, we're going to look at the song of Mary in Luke chapter 1, verses 46 through 56. If you've got a Bible, take it and turn there. I want to read these verses for us, and then after I read them, we'll back up and make a couple of observations today. Luke 1, verse 46 says this. It says, And Mary said, My soul magnifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant. For behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me, and holy is his name. And his mercy is for those who fear him. From generation to generation he has shown strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the thoughts of their hearts. He has brought down the mighty from their thrones and exalted those of humble estate. He has filled the hungry with good things. And the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spoke to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his offspring forever. And Mary remained with her about three months and then returned to her home. Now, friends, in these verses, we're going to see a couple of things today. Well, what are those things that we're going to see? The first thing that we're going to see is this it's just a question What are you magnifying? What are you magnifying? What are you focused on? What are you so focused on today that it is being blown up? Its, it's proportions are extending in your life to gigantic levels. What are you magnifying today? Well, we see in the context of this story what Mary was not magnifying. And we see it as she sings this song. Now, the context we know from Luke 1, was while she was with her cousin Elizabeth. Now, if you were with us last Sunday, you know that we talked about how Mary was visited by an angel, told that she would be the mother of the Son of God. This pregnancy was going to come through a supernatural means. And then at finding out this information, 
The, the angel says to her, and your cousin is also pregnant, even though she is advanced in age. And so Mary goes to spend some time with Elizabeth. And arriving at Elizabeth's home, we saw this last Sunday, she spent a time with her and she was encouraged. Really, she spent about the last trimester of John the Baptist's pregnancy with Elizabeth. And when John was born, then Mary returned to her house. But before she left, Mary in Elizabeth's living room sang this song, spoke these words that we just read in Luke 1. And it demonstrates for us where she was finding that exceeding joy. Now, with that set up, we need to look at first what she was not magnifying. There are a number of things that Mary could have been focused on in that moment. And if she had focused on these other things, she would not have found an exceeding joy. She would have found an exceeding fear. She would have found an exceeding anxiety. But instead, she found an exceeding joy because she was not focused on these things. Well, what are the things that Mary didn't focus on? Well, one of the things that Mary didn't focus on was her problems. Was her problems. Now, you might be be thinking, what problems could she have? She had God inside of her. How could that be a problem? But remember, her husband Joseph was considering divorce, her betrothed. He was considering separating because of the circumstances around the pregnancy. Her family certainly would have been asking some questions. Her, her friends might have been talking at the well as they were drawing water, whispering about what had happened to Mary. Mary could have been focused on her problems, but you know what's interesting? Inside of the song that she sings, there is no mention of any of those problems. Her focus was elsewhere. She was not magnifying the problems she was going through. Now, not only could she have been focused on those problems, but she also could have been focused on her poverty. You realize that Mary and Joseph were not rich people. Money was tight for them. Now, you might be wondering where we get that idea or how we would know such a thing. Well, last week, you know, we talked about how after Jesus was born, Mary and Joseph took Jesus up to the temple and they made an offering for purification. When someone would do that in the Jewish culture, they could offer one of two kinds of offerings. One kind of offering was the offering of a rich person. The other offering was the offering of a poor person. Anybody want to guess which of the two Mary and Joseph brought? They brought the offering of a poor person was a reminder of their state. And yet throughout the song that Mary sings, we don't find her focused on her financial status. We don't find her attention driven by that very moment. If she had been focused on those things, she would not have had an exceeding joy. She would have had an exceeding fear, an exceeding anxiety. But instead she had an exceeding joy. Now, friends, I I think it's important for us to think about because as we gather here today and we ask ourselves the question, what are we magnifying? In this room, there are a number of different problems that we have brought with us. And in the quiet of different moments, our attention goes to those problems and we begin to magnify it. Like like taking out your phone and, and swiping with your fingers to blow something up. We are taking the problems of our life and we are flicking the corners and we blow them up and we blow them up and we blow them up. The medical diagnosis, we get focused upon it. The divorce that that we're going through or that someone we know or love is going through, we we blow it up. The the death of a friend or a loved one, it begins to expand and to grow. 
the financial challenges that we go through in life, if we, if we focus on those things, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Keeps us up late at night. Issues related to our career might blow them up again and again and again. You know, as, as we gather here today, there are a number of different problems, and, and one of those may connect with you. One of those may be a problem that you're dealing with. You know, I, it's interesting. I, I heard someone recently describe this era of history in the United States as the era of the great resignation. You know why it's called the era of the great resignation? Because so many people are resigning from their jobs. Because it's been a hard season, right? Things have been difficult. Times have been hard. Finances have been tight. People are going through a lot of difficulties. But friends, if we, as we gather here today, if we take our problems and we blow them up, again and again and again. If we magnify them and focus on them, we will not find an exceeding joy. Instead, we'll find an exceeding fear, an exceeding anxiety, an exceeding anger, an exceeding sense to grab control, not an exceeding joy. Mary gives us an example of what we are not to focus on, what we are not to magnify. We are not to magnify our problems. But a second thing that Mary wasn't focused on, and that was herself. Mary wasn't focused on herself. You know, it's striking to me that in this song that she sings, she never pounds her chest. She never says, look at me. Aren't I awesome? Aren't I cool? I have won the spiritual beauty pageant, and God has given me this great honor because I deserve it. She never says that. Keep in mind that what precedes this is her cousin Elizabeth looked at her and said, Mary, you're awesome. (laughs) This is so cool. And she doesn't respond by, by saying, you're right, I'm awesome. She is not focused on herself. She is not focused on her spiritual resume. Throughout the song, she is focused on something else. If she had been focused on her spiritual resume, that resume goes up and down. Certainly, she had moments in her life that would have been moments of she could be very proud of, even spiritually speaking. The prayer that she's going to pray, the song that she sings, is full of references to the Old Testament. As a 13 or 14-year-old woman, it's obvious she knew God's Word. She, she could have tried to pound her chest about how much Bible she knew, but if she began to do that, guess who knows more Bible than Mary? God does. Probably some kid down the street, right? So her, her focus was on herself in any way, then that joy that she might have had would fluctuate up and down. If her focus had been on herself, she would have had this exceeding anxiety, this exceeding fear, not an exceeding joy. But you might be thinking, well, wait a second. Doesn't she say in that song some things that sound like she was focused at least a little bit on herself? Specifically, in verse 48, when she says this, For he has looked on the humble estate of his servant, for behold, from now on all generations will call me blessed. At first reading, that may sound like she's saying, all generations are going to call me blessed. But let's look a little closer at what she says. What does she say? She says, she's a person of humble estate. Last month, we talked about the word lowly. That's the word lowly. I'm just a a lowly person. There's nothing extra special about me. I did not win a spiritual beauty contest. She she goes on and says, who am I? I am just his servant. I'm his servant. God came to me and I said, God, do with me as you 
deem best. She was a servant of the Lord. It speaks to her humility. It's the dominant theme from her perspective of herself inside of this song. And then as it relates to generations from now, she says, they're going to call me blessed. She didn't say they're going to call me awesome. She said, they're going to call me blessed. Well, what does it mean to be blessed? It means that someone greater than her has given her something great. She says, I've been blessed by God. That will be what people will remember and know about me. See, her humility comes through here. And as we gather today, we need not spend our time focused on ourselves. If we are magnifying ourselves and our own accomplishments and our own performance, then we will not find an exceeding joy. We'll find a fleeting joy and an exceeding fear and anxiety, an exceeding pride, an exceeding control of others. See, what's interesting is when we think about Mary's response here, it really points to something that we need to remember about the Christian life. You know, some of you in the room today or or listening at home might even fall into the category of somebody that is not yet a follower of Christ. Someone who doesn't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. You're just here today because you know someone who's going to be singing, or you're here today because it's Christmas time and it was the thing to do, or somebody invited you. And if that's the case, that's awesome. We're so glad that you're here. But if you don't know Christ, and if you've not trusted in him, then it's possible when you interact with a Christian and they make a statement that says something like this, you know, I I know that my salvation is secure. I know that one day I'll spend an eternity with God in heaven. You might interpret that and say, well, they think that they're really good. They think that that they don't do anything wrong, that, you know, that they are so pious and righteous that God just couldn't help but accept them into heaven. But the reality is, friends, when when you hear a Christian talk about the certainty of their salvation, if they understand it properly, what they're really saying is, we're blessed. We are blessed by God. God in his grace and mercy sent his son Jesus to die on the cross for our sins so that we might be forgiven, so that we might be reconciled to him. And so Mary is the example of someone not focused on us. And if we are here today, we we need to get over ourselves as well. And to not magnify ourselves, but magnify someone else. Second thing that she didn't focus on was herself. But a third thing that she didn't focus on was other people. Again, she could have spent her time focused on Joseph and what he thought. She could have spent her time focused on her parents and what they might have believed or not believed about her situation. She could have spent her time focused on what those who were whispering about her in her community might have thought. But she didn't. As a matter of fact, nowhere in the Magnificat song that she sings do we see any mention of what other people thought of her in that moment, their opinions. She's focused someplace else. And friends, it's a great reminder for us. We too need to not focus Upon ourselves or the opinions of others. You know, it's possible that we might think that our spouse's opinion of us is most critical, our roommate's opinion of us, our, our girlfriend or boyfriend's opinion of us, our, our parents or our extended family, what they think about us. 
We, we might be even driven by what social media thinks about us, where our joy goes up and down based on the number of hearts or thumbs up or likes or smile emojis or whatever your currency is. But the reality is, if we look to those things to generate our joy, we will not find an exceeding joy. What we will find is we will find an exceeding fear and an exceeding anxiety. So the question that we really need to ask is what are we magnifying? What are we blowing up large? What, when, when all else quiets down, what are we focused on? We saw what Mary didn't focus on. We need to be reminded to not focus on those things as well. But, but what do we replace it with? Our mind is going to go someplace. Our heart is going to zoom in on something. What do we focus on in this moment? And friends, what we see in this song is that we need to magnify the Lord. Magnify the Lord. Mary makes this clear in the very first line of the song. She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My soul magnifies the Lord. Now, what's, what's interesting, when we take our problems, when we take other people, when we take ourselves and we magnify them, we are taking something in the grand scheme of things that is really small and we blow it up disproportionately. But when it comes to the Lord, we cannot do that. You realize that? God is already the biggest thing ever, right? So when we magnify the Lord, it's not that we take a God who's very small and we make much of him. We take the God that is already very great and we celebrate him. We focus on the God who is so great. It's like looking through a telescope at a planet, something that's far away. We focus in on it. And we realize how big and enormous it really is. When Mary magnifies the Lord, what she is saying is her exceeding joy is anchored to her thoughts and her perspective, zooming in on the reality of her God. Now, not only does she say this, but she demonstrates it inside of the song. I love this. Now, this is an eye chart. I, I realize that. Um, but I wanted to put the entire song up here on one screen just for us to see this. In, in the 10 verses of this song, 19 times she references God. 19 times in 10 verses. Lord, God, Savior, he, his, he, his, his, he, him, his, he, 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 his, his, he. That's a lot. It's fun to say. Anyway, all of those references, she is pointing to and looking to God. It's not like she just says, you know what? I'm going to magnify the Lord. Now let me spend the rest of my prayer focused on me. She says, I'm going to magnify the Lord and I'm going to keep doing it throughout this season. That was the key. That was where her joy came from. And that joy is available to us as well. So as we think of magnifying the Lord, we can translate that to some specific statements where we can think about how great our God is and call out to him. Mary mentions a number of things in her song. She says, first of all, that she rejoices in God, her Savior. She rejoices in God, her Savior. Mary knew that she wasn't perfect. She was a sinner just like anyone else. She needed salvation just like everyone else. And the, one of the first things she says, she says, I'm going to praise God and rejoice with an exceeding joy because God in his grace and mercy has saved me and he will do so through the baby that I'm carrying. Not only that, but she says, he is who is mighty, has done great things for me. Had God done great things for Mary? 
Absolutely. When she said that, I'm sure that she was, could, was churning through many, many things in her head. But at the foremost, she would, she would certainly have thought, the chief among them is that I get to carry Jesus. But she's thinking of the great things that God has done for her. We can do the same. We can remember that God is our Savior. We can remember the great things that he has done for us. It's a part of us magnifying the Lord. He continues. she, She begins to focus on not just what God has done, but who God is. She says, God, you are holy. You're perfect. I don't have to wake up today and wonder if you're going to operate in righteousness because that's who you are. You are righteous and a holy God. She celebrates that. She magnifies that. She remembers that. And not only does she remember his holiness, but she also remembers his mercy. Because if God was just holy and he wasn't merciful, then we would have no hope. But the holy God is merciful, meaning he has reached out to us. And all who fear him, all who believe in him, become recipients of his grace and of his mercy. How do we have an assurance of our salvation and a hope for all time? It's by trusting in Christ. Then the holy God is also merciful to us. And saves us on the basis of Christ's work. Not only do we see that, but we we see that she continues and says that he has scattered the proud. He has brought down the mighty. He's exalted those of humble estate. He's filled the hungry with good things and the rich he has sent away empty. What is she getting at here? Well, she's remembering all of the statements inside of the prophets that talk about the justice and the righteousness that will come when Messiah comes. She's anticipating what the child that she is carrying will do. She's focused on him. She's magnifying him. And then she concludes and says that he has helped his servant Israel as he spoke to our fathers. She's remembering back to the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12. to Make them a great people and that all the peoples of the earth would be blessed through them. And she says, God... The baby that I'm carrying will deliver on the promise that you gave to our people long, long ago. Friends, Mary was magnifying the Lord. And in her example, we find how we need to respond in this moment. Not in magnifying ourselves or our problem or the opinions of others, but in magnifying the Lord. And so the question for us today is, will we magnify the Lord? Will we magnify the Lord? Well, a couple of ways to help us magnify the Lord this week. The first one is, make a list of five things that the Lord has done for you. Just today, at some point. Do it over dinner tonight as a family, at lunch today as a family. Make a list of five things the Lord has done for you. It could be five things, could be Some of them could be characteristics of God. Just like Mary said, thank you that you are holy, God. Thank you that you are merciful. But it also could be things that the Lord has done for you. Write them down. Think about them. And then each day this week, add one to it. Review the five you had and then add one to it. At the end of the week, when we meet again next Sunday, you'll have a 12 days of Christmas list. And it's not a bunch of birds. What what you'll have is you'll have a list of magnification of the Lord. Ways that we can declare to him the greatness of who he really is. How we can be anchoring to him to find our joy in him. And then throughout the week, 
This is a terrible rhyme. I'm an awful poet, but hopefully this helps you remember it. Throughout this week, think, look at he, not woe is me. Rather than looking at the events of our weeks and thinking about just us or other people's thoughts of us or the problems that we're going through, instead, look at these moments throughout our week and think, Lord, where are you in this? And what are you doing in this? And how are you to be praised in the midst of this? Friends, if we want a joy that lasts, we need to magnify the Lord. Would you pray with me? Father God, thank you so much for just this opportunity to be together today. Uh, We pray that you would guide us now as we continue our time of worship through singing with our children and celebrating your faithfulness to us as a church family. We are so thankful for the chance to be together today, and we pray a special blessing uh, on these kids who are going to be leading us now. We thank you, and we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.